everyone, I'm Rosanna, and this is AFL Obsessed. We are coming off of another weekend of footy with lots of stories now that we're kind of a third of the way through the season and also back to life in the city. And I have just have to say that I received so many comments about our bed, like just stack the mattresses together, Rosanna, it's not that challenging. Um, and I really meant it's on a complex bed frame that was in like a million pieces. So I just want to celebrate that we do have a constructed bed now. And to any new listeners, I'm really sorry for this um, sidebar, but that was taken care of a couple of days ago. And you got to love city life because there's honestly always a solution at our fingertips. We were able to get the instruction manual from Crate and Barrel and to get someone to help us with that. (laughs) But all that aside, I have to admit, if you're in Koreatown at all on the weekends, you would just assume that there was no pandemic. We walked through on the weekend and there's just straight up bars on folding tables outside like every block. And, you know, I'm not going to hate on someone's hustle because the tables were not attached to restaurants or the outdoor dining constructs that, you know, I'm talking about standalone bars and cheers to any bartenders and servers that are doing that and that are a part of that. But um, we went to Koreatown for, to meet up with a friend for dinner. And I want to shout out the place we went for dinner. I think it was Jongro. I'm not really sure how to pronounce it, um, but you have to kind of show up and put your name on the list and you have to typically wait about 30 minutes to get in. And maybe I'll show it on Instagram if you want to see the story later today so you can kind of see what I'm referring to. But, you know, everyone is just ready to get outside and get their drink on and prep for summer. And I know I feel the same way too as it gets warmer because it is a really fun time to be out in New York City. But the place where we got drinks while we waited too was decorated in the interior, kind of like a room that really reminded me of a place in London, actually. they It kind of felt like the inside of a compartment. I don't know if you guys have ever been to Box Park, Box Park in Shoreditch, but it was just really interesting that it kind of made me feel like we were inside a boxed compartment and it's in an upstairs room in a building <laughs> with kind of lights strung up and it was really festive. And they were cutting half of fruits, like half of a watermelon or a pineapple and kind of serving some of the drinks in that container. So it was just really nice, I guess, to get back out there and just really feel like we were back and hanging out with friends and I don't know. Also, my drink had like a bubble over it and smoke kind of coming off of the top of it. (laughs) I'll post that in my Insta stories for anyone interested too, just so you can see. It really was like a wildly creative drink that felt like something you could get in, I don't know, maybe like a Disney park or something. But yeah, it really just makes you appreciate being in a place or for a moment reminded me of just how lucky we are to have things away that they're feeling and back to kind of that new normal post-pandemic. So let's get to it and dive into the opening overture of my overall thoughts on the week and where we're at now in New York City. So the Pfizer vaccine has been expanded to children, so now anyone 12 and up can get the vaccine. I really feel like our rollout has been really efficient and I'm kind of proud that it's happening that way and 
There's also lots of new and creative incentives here and in other states. I know we talked about this last week, but there's now a subway incentive. So in eight different places in the city starting today, including Penn Station or Grand Central Station, you can get the jab and then you get a free unlimited Metro card for a week. I just want to point out, I wonder where all these incentives were before we got our vaccines, but... Um, They're also giving away a lottery-style million dollars in Ohio to five winners and also giving away full-time student scholarships, I think weekly for the next month or so. And the CDC just announced earlier today that if you're fully vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask indoors or outdoors in most settings and scenarios. So I'm still going to rock it on the subway, but it's just nice as it gets more and more humid that we just won't have to worry about that masking up in the heat. And so I just really wonder how Australia's vaccination timeline is going and maybe any incentives they'll have later as they vaccinate more and more people. But kind of another surprise case came in Melbourne this week, which is similar to that of the Sydney one we discussed last week, where an individual actually tested positive for COVID after being in quarantine. So, and they also announced, I think, that the borders will be closed until potentially mid-2022. It's crazy to think that just one case Um, You know, there's only one case in Victoria and the borders are closed until I think they're saying potentially until June. And I don't know, maybe it's just because of what's happened to us. I'm not saying that I want there to be any more infections or cases in Melbourne, but it's just really surprising that because of that, you know, instead of like some massive outbreak or whatever, that the borders are going to be closed for that long. But what do you guys think about that? And, you know, potentially not being able to leave too beyond your bubble until mid-June 2022. My email is aflfootyobsessed at gmail and aflobsessed on Twitter if you want to chat. But now let's get to footy and on to act one with AFL headlines and highlights from the weekend. And... Some of the biggest highlights from the games, I guess there's four things, but first let's just talk about the biggest headline from the weekend, and that would be Geelong belting Richmond. It honestly felt like to me that Geelong had a reckoning coming after that close finish last week with Sydney. I know we talked about it, but it is always a shock to see a team like out Richmond Richmond in a sense. And if you really think about it, though, with Geelong, it's the second time that they've delivered a beating to that extent of a top eight team. You'll remember the Eagles game from round six. So that was definitely a surprise. And I'm really looking forward to both teams games this weekend, just to see what continues to unfold. And Shea Bolton's absolute mark of the year screamer that he took in that game. Shout out to Michael Wilson, Um, Wilson with two L's, who's the chief photographer for the AFL, who just always manages to capture the most amazing positions the players are in when they're flying all over the field. I mean, you may laugh at my Quidditch reference, but it's so like real to me (laughs) because that pick of Shea Bolton and the one that Michael captured of Bailey Smith kind of flying horizontally over, I want to say John Noble and Latham Vandermeer. But you guys have to check out both of those pictures if you haven't seen them yet. 
And two, Carlton giving up the lead. Once again, I do think the microscope is back on Teague and basically what's going on at the team who seems to concede really early leads in the game. And I know there's a lot of talk about Sam Walsh kind of surpassing Patty Cripps. So, you know, what's going on with Cripps and his development and has he kind of peaked or is he just going to kind of continue at, you know, his career like trajectory that he's taken? You know, I always wonder about like players and their playing potential. And three, the showdown prison bars. So Port Adelaide as a club has been trying to reach a deal or understanding with the AFL and Collingwood. And we'll talk about this a little bit more later in Act 2. But they actually did win the showdown. And then afterwards, the Port players went into the change rooms and then just put on the prison bar Guernsey for their team like theme song sing, which I actually really enjoyed. Um, I don't know what you guys all thought about that, but I thought that was a really great kind of almost tribute to their club and their supporters and just their history. And four, (laughs) you know, I've got to talk about my Essendon Young Guns and our rookies. But honestly, I just think at this point they need some rest. I think the output overall is slowing for our younger guys over the last few weeks. And I know I'm saying that kind of almost like generally, I don't mean to blanket everyone under this, but I do think that they need time to heal and we can't just keep playing the younger guys like this because, you know, they're not expendable. I don't want like any more injuries. We really need them to kind of carry us through the rest of the season. But some of the biggest headlines from the weekend, just three things. One also involving Shea Bolton, sadly, just after the game to celebrate his girlfriend's birthday at the club, I think we all saw that he and Daniel Rioli were involved in a fight at a club where I think someone had some inappropriate contact with Rioli's partner, and then he got punched in the face, which is insane. And I think Shea Bolton went to kind of defend him and then broke his wrist. So um, that was kind of surprising news. I really feel for both of the players. I know Richmond's already come out with a statement. um, And I do have to just say the AFL integrity team is on it. So not that they, (laughs) my personal opinion, I don't know if they ever really do find anything, but I do hope that everyone involved is okay. And umpire involvement too. I don't know if you saw in the Brisbane game, but Joey Danaher took a mark on a goal umpire. I don't think I've ever seen that happen before. I think it was just a positioning error. I think, you know, they're not supposed to have contact with players or physically influence a contest. So they absolutely have to know when they're supposed to get under the ball and also kind of when to straddle the line to kind of see if anything gets touched or marked before it passes or even after crossing the line. So the commentators were kind of in hysterics after that decision and play. And I know they kept just joking that, you know, the ump's eyes never left the ball, but that was just a really interesting moment from the weekend. 
and three. In the AFLW, the Geelong coach actually resigned after a one-win season. He's actually led for the past three seasons, and he's been teaching quite a bit during the day and working at the club in the evenings, but overall he's given 10 years of service to the Geelong Football Club. And prior to his AFLW appointment, he's had various roles all across um, the multiple departments at Geelong, including like the VFL as a men's senior coach and player development manager and whatnot. Um, But yeah, that was kind of surprising. So we wish him all the best. And the AFL has actually come out and said that all 18 clubs will have an AFLW team by 2023. So that's very exciting news. I mean, you all know that women in sports are magic and we all need to get around and support that in any way that we can. And there are really so many ways to do that. But that was just a really exciting announcement for me personally, but I think for everyone, because I think we talked about in the last couple of weeks that a decision was forthcoming. But what did you guys think about the games? I want to know what you thought of the games, the teams, kind of even that theme song saying what you think about all these announcements coming from the AFL. My email is aflfootyobsessed at gmail and aflobsessed on Twitter. Okay, it's intermission, so quickly during this time, let's just cut away to other sports. So I guess the Olympics are still going forward somehow. I think it's, we're only about two months out from that happening in Japan, where, you know, I don't want to be judgmental or skeptical, but I feel like the stats so far are just only around 2% of their 126 million population have gotten one dose of the vaccine. I'm not saying that we should call it, but I do think from a much larger scale, just seeing what has happened in India with cricket, I'm just really concerned for our global athletes, especially our elite athletes, um, and just anyone involved because that's such a huge infrastructure to kind of support that. I'm just imagining all of the Olympians at like the Olympic Village and kind of hanging out and... I don't know. I'm just deeply concerned. I'm a huge Olympic fan. As you guys know, it's something that I hope to one day get to witness in person. I'd love to see, honestly, be involved in any way. Like I would volunteer if I could. Um, But I just do think that maybe even though they've already postponed it, that maybe just another year might be a good idea. And now we're on to act two, where we have discussions about relevant footy topics and issues And I've just got three topics. So the prison bars that we spoke about earlier is something that's part of Port Adelaide's heritage. I know we haven't gotten to that club yet in terms of a full dissection of their club culture and history, but it is a part of their heritage. It was something that they wore prior to joining the AFL. And they have appealed to the AFL just to wear their kind of heritage Guernsey just during the showdowns. And I know they were able to do that in their 150th last year. They were given kind of the green light by the AFL just for the one game. But I think they were not able to come to any kind of trademark and licensing discussion 
beyond that game and also for future games, especially since Collingwood has like a very similar Guernsey and, you know, we don't need, we already have issues with kind of like home and away jumper clashes. But I I have to say, I don't see the harm. I know it's not my team, but I don't see the harm in kind of poor Adelaide being able to wear that Guernsey. Um, Tell me if you agree with me or not. And I do think that I've always been surprised that any other club would have any kind of jurisdiction over the decisions that your club makes and also what you get to wear or dictate anything around that. But I thought it was really sweet that the players kind of changed afterwards just to sing the theme songs in their Guernsey, as I said. And I don't know, I just feel like, especially if Port is asking to just wear the Guernsey just to represent or have some kind of representation going forward and into the future, they're not asking to wear that outside of South Australia even. So to me, I mean, they haven't gotten into, you know, I haven't even gotten into like the club's like kind of formation and inclusion, as I said, into the AFL. And obviously they have a very storied history as a club before joining, which again, we'll get into in a future episode, but you know, they already had to come in as not the Magpies, which is what their history is about, because there was already a team in the AFL with the with the Magpies, and that would be Collingwood. So, you know, as an original, like, kind of club mascot or animal. So if it is part of their culture, background, and heritage, I mean, I know there's a petition floating around. I do kind of think that maybe we should just let them for future showdowns. Um as I said, some sort of like representation or being able to represent the prison bars at the games in some way. And speaking of clashes um, too, and kind of more about that chat, a friend of the pod, Luke Ryan, actually mentioned on Twitter that, you know, this is a massive missed opportunity here in the AFL with the prison bar situation between Collingwood and Port. And he kind of suggested having maybe an annual match, maybe round one even to determine kind of who has the rights to the bars, quote unquote. And he said, you know, tell me you wouldn't watch that clash each season. And I think it was directed at one of my fave pods, as you all know, the sounding board. But I have to agree with him. And just kind of a battle of the bars scenario sounds really great to me. We have all kinds of different themed clashes. And I really think that that would just be a fun way to kind of settle the differences and just kind of have an ongoing clash representing that. And maybe they can do something with that then, or I don't know. I just think it would be an interesting way to kind of represent what's happening there in a wider sense of like the game. And three, Willie Rioli has been caught with marijuana possession and the club has come out saying that they are making a call on the future of his playing career in the next week or so. And I feel like we just talked about his infractions previously, um, actually in episode 48, Heroes and Villains. I think we talked about how he was suspended in September after facing like a four-year ban from WADA, which really seems extreme to me. Um, And he actually ended up getting a two-year ban, but that was backdated to the first infraction. So he is free to return in August of this year. 
And as an American, I do feel like our penalty system in general, we have far lower penalty times. So, you know, I did say I thought that was extreme. Um, but, and I know that the club has kind of come out and said that they were really disappointed in him. I guess it's hard for me to comment since, you know, marijuana is now legal in New York City. I think I want to say as of last month. And, you know, even though I don't do it, I mean, I don't think you need to do it to comment on it, actually. Actually, (laughs) I just had a recovered memory now that I'm thinking about this story with Willie Rioli kind of getting caught at the airport. I think it was the drug detection dog who kind of was able to find it. And I think that he had that place like in his undergarments. But I actually had a situation involving drugs at the airport and it is not what it sounds like. (laughs) I want to say don't judge, but I was actually working at a Colorado music venue selling merch for a band. And I'll just walk with me on this path here. I forget the name of the band. I think it was like an alt rock band or someone or something along those lines. And someone tried to tip me afterwards, like after a transaction, but they didn't have any more cash on them. So they were like, I have something better. And kind of like had their arms crossed and like kind of hidden in their elbow. So it was like kind of tucked and no one else could see it, um, was a joint. And I was working, honestly, I was just like, okay, get rid of that. I don't want it. Please get that away from me. And he just kept saying like, oh, well, I'll just save it for you later. It's the good stuff. Like you're really going to want this. And then I just kind of went back to work and didn't think about it. And then not realizing actually that he had put it into my handbag. So later that evening, I get home and I dumped out my bag on the kitchen counter and I nearly fell over because there was a joint that hadn't been there (laughs) before I went to work. And I, you know, you could smell it. I just kind of freaked out at home and wasn't sure what to do. So I grabbed a Ziploc bag. I kind of keep them on top of the refrigerator. And I just threw the joint in there and just threw it right back on top of the refrigerator and was like, okay, I'll deal with that later. I'm really exhausted right now. And, you know, we'll kind of address that in future. And then promptly forgot all about it being around or that it was even up there. So cut to fast forward Months later, when I'm flying to Chicago for a friend's birthday, and you have to put all of your toiletries in your carry-on in a Ziploc bag. So I grabbed a Ziploc from the top of the fridge, and then, you know, I threw in all my toiletries, and I went to the airport, and I went through security, and then I went through security again when I landed in Chicago, and, you know... I saw those drug dogs kind of walking around at both airports. But when I landed at O'Hare Airport in Chicago, I was like, oh, I just need like a facial wipe. I just want to do like a quick refresh. So I ran into the bathroom and I grabbed my little toiletries back out. And to my surprise, the joint was in the side of the Ziploc bag. So the Ziploc bag that I grabbed was the same one that had that in there, which I didn't realize. And then I absolutely panicked because I'm in 
the airport thinking, oh my gosh, the TSA is going to come after me. I'm going to get thrown on a no-fly list. I'm absolutely panicking in the bathroom. I was just afraid anyone else would see it. So I ran into the bathroom stall and just flushed it down the toilet because I really didn't even know what to do. And then I was just like, oh gosh, I have to wash my hands. I'm just so worried that someone is going to, you know, the dog maybe is going to come up to me and detect that I had anything on me. So yeah, it certainly, you know, I don't know if it was legal at that point. We don't have to get into that. But, and then of course, afterwards, as I'm trying to call, like calm down, my friend came and picked me up and I'm telling everyone this story. And my friend, it's their birthday. They were like, oh my gosh, you brought me a joint for my birthday. Like all excited, like where's the joint? And I had to be like, it's it's down the toilet at O'Hare Airport. So, um. I I can't even believe if I'm like confessing this, but I hope you guys aren't judging. And I honestly, I don't know. I don't, I feel like because it is legal here, again, it is hard for me to say. I think it was a very small amount that was on Willy Rioli. So, you know, I guess I would just love to know what you guys think about that and maybe share any stories too if you're comfortable with that. I mean, I just shared mine and it was at an airport um, and I can't even imagine what would have happened if someone would have flagged me. But also, I'm just thinking about the fact that it went through the scanner because it was in my carry-on. I took the bag out um, and I guess when I had told my friend, they just said maybe they're looking for metal when it's going through the thing. But I mean, I feel like people definitely saw it. I don't know. <laughs> but if you're comfortable sharing, my email is aflfootyobsessed at gmail and aflobsessed on Twitter if you'd like to share. And now it's the after show with my tips for round nine, <laughs> if you're still with me. Um, so the Saints versus the Cats, I feel like the Cats are taking this game. Swans versus the Pies. I think the Swannies are going to come through on that. Hawks versus the Ruse. This is going to be a really interesting game. I guess I'll say, I mean, come on, Ruse. I feel like you can do this. Suns versus the Lions. Lions, I think, will take this one. The game to watch on the weekend, I think, will definitely be Tigers versus Giants. And I do think that Richmond's coming back after last weekend. And the Power versus the Bulldogs, that will be another great game this weekend. Honestly, I hope the Doggies come away with this win, but it really could go either way. And the Dons versus the Dockers, I'm really excited about this game, only because it's happening at 11 p.m. my time. So that's genuinely a much more agreeable time than the previous games have been where I'm watching till four in the morning. So maybe I can just get back from, you know, a night out for dinner or whatever this weekend. So I'm really looking forward to that. Going to have to say the Dons there. And in the Ds versus the Blues... I'll go ahead and take the D's here. I think they're still on top. And Eagles versus the Crows. I think the Eagles are taking that one. But that's it for me, guys. Thanks again for listening, rating, and subscribing, everyone. And thanks for hanging around for the show. Stay safe and healthy. 
check on your friends and neighbors. We'll get through this like we have with footy. I'm virtually hugging you and we'll talk footy soon.